Hey folks, welcome back to Love and Grit. I'm Laia. I'm Justin. And I'm Rachel. And on today's show, we are shining a light on a few good Philly-born men that are innovators in two of our favorite lanes, food and entertainment. We will speak to David and Aaron Cabello, the brothers behind Black and Mobile, the country's first Black-owned food delivery service that exclusively partners with Black-owned restaurants. Then we speak to Brandon Pankey, the man behind your must-see concert of the year and so much more. But first, around the Philly faves and today's topic. Black-owned restaurants in Philadelphia you have to check out. Rachel, you're on deck. I absolutely love Star Fusion. They have amazing wings and, and fries. Oh, gosh. And their mac and cheese. Their chef and owner, Darlene Jones, she is just a wonderful person. Her brand is great and just her as a person, I adore her. So definitely Star Fusion is a place you have to check out. Okay. I'm going to check it out because I have not tried it yet. I'm pretty sure most people have tried this that are true Philadelphians. I'm talking about the Bynums who have historically owned quite a few restaurants in Philadelphia, starting with their father. And of course, most of us go back to Zanzibar Blue, Warm Daddies. But now, of course, we have the Relish. We have South. Just find you a Bynum Brothers restaurant and you'll be happy. Mine is one of our former guests, Down North Pizza. That pizza is unbelievable. So many people from all over the city are going to Strawberry Mansion <sighs> for that pizza. You gotta check it out. Speaking of food, let's get to it. Okay, so listen, let me prepare you for some instant Philly pride, a true innovation that directly affects community relations and small business. Two years ago, at 22 years old, David Cabello had the genius idea of creating Black and Mobile, the country's first Black-owned food delivery service that exclusively partners with Black-owned restaurants. But that's not it. In addition to the delivery service, this company plans to continuously reinvest in its community by providing restaurants with the technology they need to expand their customer base, which will allow the company to hire folks from these communities directly affecting the employment rate. I told you the pride was inevitable. Tell us how you got started. Yes. I mean, it all started in college and that was back in 2016 where we decided to drop out. And it wasn't just a you know decision that we just made right then and there. It was like months of just researching, learning more about the community, learning more about history, just learning in general. And then that ultimately led to us to drop out. We just knew that it was time for us to go help. So we planned to go help Black businesses and Black people any way we could, because we didn't know the industry we were going to get into. We just knew we wanted to help. And then we went from working at a bookstore to delivering food on a bike. And I had never heard of that previously. So we started with Postmates, and then me and him were literally like, both have our accounts on, like both Postmates be in the same car with a bike in the back seat. And we would just be running around just waiting for delivery, trying to make money. It really was a side hustle. It was like, all right, let's just go make you know, some 50 bucks real quick, 75 bucks. But then it started to turn into more of a full-time job. We went to Uber Eats. Then we went to Caviar. Again, we were sharing an account. We, like, they were probably like, well, how are they working 12, 13 hours straight? This is about six months in towards the end of the year of 2017. And I remember making $1,100 and 30 hours of work. So, oh my gosh. so I said to myself, if I could make this much money delivering food just part-time, how much could I make if I actually own this company? That led to the next step of me researching the market, coming to find out there were no Black-owned food delivery service that even existed on that level. So I said I was going to be the first one. But then on top of that, while delivering for these other services, I couldn't find any Black-owned restaurants. Like I said, we dropped out of college to help Black businesses. So I taught myself all this through Shopify. Within two years, I helped another company sell over $200,000 online. So I literally just designed my own website, eventually designed my own app on Shopify, and we put it together and we started. 
So let me ask you, what did your family, friends say when you guys first started to discuss this idea? Or did you keep it amongst the two of you? Were you like, wait, you know what? This is hot. We ain't telling nobody until we do what we need to do to get this started. Everyone doubted us. No one believed in us. They said we were just bums on a bike and just we were just wasting our life. But, 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 but what are they saying now? What are they saying now? Definitely proud of us. I remember just uh, my mom, when we dropped out, she wasn't upset. You know, she said the richest people don't go to college. So she wasn't upset. Right. But she didn't say, y'all ain't staying here. You better go get a guy. You better figure it out. Definitely my grandma, she didn't really understand what we were doing at all. The biggest thing for me was when I was delivering food, we knew all the drivers out there. I'm not going to say all of them, but we knew enough of them. We would talk to some of them, and I would tell them about the idea. Where were you delivering? I know people sometimes pick a specific area. Yeah, yeah center city. city area. Where the money is. Yeah, we always say in the center city because we're on bikes. I had a caviar bag, and it was all orange, and it said caviar. I took their logo off, put black and mobile on it a year and a half before the company ever started. So I knew I was going to start the company. I just didn't know when and how. And I'm telling all the drivers, look, I'm starting my own company. All right, man. Yeah, right. Good luck with that, man. Good luck. No one ever was happy about it. And I remember when I started, people like, oh, he actually started. And 2019, we did 25,000 in sales and like, people hearing us. And then 2020, we did over 500,000. Seeing that, now people that I used to deliver with, they see me, they act like they don't even know me. Yeah. The complaints sometimes with the food delivery apps are on both sides, right? It's sometimes the drivers don't make enough money. And then sometimes the service takes too much money out of the restaurant's pocket. Yep. How do y'all figure out that part? Honestly, we do our best because the first, we're always cheaper than the competitor. Uber and DoorDash, they all either charge 25, 30, 35% sometimes, and we only charge 15%, 20% max. So we're a lot cheaper than the competitor. It's going to be less of a burden for the restaurants to sign up because we're not taking as much out of their pocket. And then for the drivers, we pay them 100% of the tip. How many restaurants do you have? Throughout the city is a little over 100. What was the reaction from these owners? Because, I mean, I know what this story makes me feel. I can imagine to them, this was like a godsend. Yes. For some owners. Some owners are like, you know, we're excited. You know, this is great. We're going to drop all the other services. Other people are like, I don't want nothing to do with you guys. Like, you know, Why? That's just, that's just the mentality. Wait a minute. If you had that type of reaction on the flip side, of course, when we first heard your story and was it People Magazine you were also featured in and it was just so exciting and we didn't personally know you, but we were so proud. What other reactions have you had when people hear that it's only Black-owned businesses? Have you experienced anything negative feedback regarding that? More positive. You know, you get the every, oh, you're racist and you're excluding people or segregating yourself. You're missing money. Or We heard so many different things on that side of it. Um, But like you said, more positive. Good. Can y'all talk about an expansion of Black and Mobile and what that looks like and this tour that y'all are doing? Well, we just got back from Houston. We just launched in Brooklyn. We're going to be going to other boroughs. Yeah, each week I'll be going to like the New York area, going to Harlem, going to the Bronx, going to uh, Queens. Like just keep going to each area once a week and just expanding. Is it more overwhelming in like heavily black populated spots? I keep thinking about D.C., Atlanta. Are you like, well, let me just wait on that because that's going to be a lot. We're in Atlanta. So we're in, okay. a, we're in Baltimore. We are in Philly, of course, Brooklyn, like we said, just last week, and then Houston next month and then L.A. So there's places like New Orleans that I really want to go to. 
Kansas City. I know my brother has been talking about going to Kansas City. Chicago, there's so many places that we want to go to. Canada, Jamaica. Other countries. Oh, yeah. So are you taking a moment to be present? Yeah, you guys are just so busy. Like, what do you do to unwind and to have a moment to chill and make sure your headspace is good? And do you give yourself any time like that? Well, first, I felt like in the beginning of this year, we had a little bit of time to get our minds right, recover, get things in order. You know, we had to, our app was getting developed. There's slow time, but now it's not about that. It's about expanding, get as much done as fast as yeah. possible, because that's the only way we're going to be competitive. The minute we jumped out of college, it's been nonstop, just doing whatever we can to help. From working every day to literally delivering the start of my company and still delivering. I think yes. it's time to get to work and stay disciplined yes. and continue the mission. No, I appreciate that. You know, the 20s are a time when you put in that work. I want to hear what you guys love as well. Not restaurants? Yeah. yeah. What's your favorite restaurant right now? Both of y'all give me one, please, please. Supreme Oasis. Okay, Supreme Oasis on my list. Okay. I've been to one that's not black owned. I like Bar Bon Bon. It's a uh, vegan restaurant. Yeah, it's yeah. owned by a Latinx woman, Nicole Marquis. She owns Hip City Veg, too. Yeah. They're all vegan. Yeah, she's amazing. What's your big reach goal? Not just food delivery, just all products, delivering all products nationwide. That's really the main objective, to just be a large delivery service. For Black business or... Or black business. Now, I will say, eventually we will expand and deliver for everybody. That's what be like the long-term goal because, I mean, again, we're starting and our whole thing is to get popular, which we've done, to get a name for ourselves with our niche and make sure black people can work with black people. And we're proving that black people can do that. But of course, as we grow and we hit those milestones, I'd be a fool not to go out and try to even raise more money by delivering for other people. So right now it's for black restaurants. Then it'll go to just black businesses where it could be like clothing uh, what could be hair product, what could be like, you know, the cosmetics. The and then stores. that's the main thing for me is I want to help start new businesses. So not just deliver for them, because of course we will do that, but we don't have enough grocery stores. So what if I said, you know what, we got capital, I could fund your grocery store. So helping our community start more businesses, even getting into ghost kitchens where we can help new black owned restaurants get in there, then we can deliver for them. And that's the way we get rent and we get the commission for the delivery. We have a bunch of ideas, yeah. To be philanthropists before you're even profitable <laughs> shows that you guys have a lot of heart. It's deep that you said that, Justin, because our business model, we're so we're so invested into the community. We literally can't even get rich or make any money until we help black people make money. Until we help restaurants make money, that's the only way we make money by getting a commission. So we literally have to help black people win for us to win. And that's how it should be. We're all we're investing in black people that much where we're gonna put everything in to make sure that we win. Okay, Purr's new fire potato chips and cheese curls, they are spicy. Whew, they're hot as snacks yet, hold on. Whew, but you know, it's not just heat. There's some nice, sweet, and savory stuff going on too. Ooh, there's that heat again. It burns, but it burns so tasty. Ooh, that's hot. Find Hearst Fire Snacks at your store today. Whew, taste the flavor, feel the heat, break out the Hearst. If Brandon Panky looks familiar, it's probably because you have seen him at your favorite music or comedy show. You just might not have known that he is the reason that in that moment, everything felt perfect. You should know that Brandon Panky is the Vice President of Business Development and Operations at Live Nation Urban. This Philly-born and raised masterman, Yu Penn Brad, has been working his way toward becoming a media mogul by running tour business affairs for folks like T.I., Drake, The Roots, Jill Scott, and a whole lot more. 
not to mention running operations for the Roots Picnic, Broccoli Fest, and a few more dope festivals. But now, he's launched his own network. Yes, a whole network. There's like a whole repertoire for us. Listen, because here's the thing. I'll say this, and I really mean this. I think there's such a, a grit with Philly, right? And people that come from Philly. I don't know if it's sort of that stepchild thing or syndrome where you have DC to the left and New York to the right. I've just always been of the ilk that I just got to outwork everyone else to get to a certain level. So if I can represent this city and represent myself and represent my family. Hey, Brandon, so just so our Philly audience understands how Philly yeah. you are, can you give your Philly stats real quick? You know, high school, where you from, what it okay. is. Oh, man. So 13th of Wyoming, Logan area of the city. You know, depending on who I'm around, I need street cred. I'll say North Philly, but <laughs> it's Logan. Went to Ivy Leaf. Private school. It was one of only four Black-owned private schools in the country at the time before they closed. Then went to Masterman, starting in sixth grade, went there through graduation, then stayed in the city, went to UPenn, and then interned for Michael McArthur and Jerome Hips at Mama's Boys Music Group. They had a recording studio on Delaware Ave, and then ended up working for Sean G in Philly. At the time, it was the Sports and Entertainment Financial Group. So I'm Philly through and through. I have never left. Yeah. In my mind, if I can do this, if I can just hold on and not be whisked away to those bright lights in LA, like others, if I can stay here and really cement what entertainment is in this city, I think I will have done something great. And then also on the educational component, like really want to help Philly and, and really make sure this city gets the recognition that it deserves because we are the birthing place. I don't care what anyone says when it comes to R&B, when it comes to creativity, 90% of these touring musicians that are on the road were probably from Philly or the surrounding greater Philadelphia area. So our musical talents, our entertainment talents, they're undeniable. And the executives from this city, whether you're hmm. talking about John G, Jay Irvin, Troy Carter, these are monsters in this space. And so to, to be a part of that legacy is something else that's super special to me. Can you tell us a little bit about Meet the Execs? I'm not sure how many people are familiar with Blackstream Live. I know that there was a great following when we partnered with you and Live Nation Urban regarding the Love and Great Concert series that featured so many Philadelphia artists, in addition to the show that you host, which is awesome as well. Blackstream Live was formed in February. And it was really just to give a voice for Black creators and also serve as a digital extension to some of the, the live event platforms that Live Nation Urban had. And so, you know, it was an opportunity to create new shows, new platforms, but also an opportunity to give Broccoli City, they have ideas outside of the music festival, which was a talk show. Road to Roots Picnic, give a, a voice to emerging hip hop and R&B artists to perform. And some of those performers may potentially end up on a Roots Picnic in 2022 when we come back. Wake, is there anything that you can tell us? Like, you heard here first. There you go, Rachel. There I know, you. she pushes. She always pushing, right? Stop pushing me. Uh, <laughs> it's coming back next year. That's what you need to know. It's okay. official, okay. It's coming back next year. And it may be two days. Stay uh, tuned. Since you're on the subject real quick, we should add about your matriculation with this Roots Picnic. Like, you are... The Roots Picnic. No. But you started, come on, let's keep it real. How many years has the Roots Picnic taken place? Like, was it 13 years? Well, so it started in 2008. It's the unofficial, official kickoff to summer in Philadelphia. So 
I mean, it's not mine. I, I can't say that. Like, I know what somebody said. You don't want to say it because you don't want people to no. ask you for the tickets. But I'm saying, like, let's keep it real. Talk about your matriculation from the beginning of the Roots I mean, Picnic to where you are. I mean, it's part of the matriculation of my career. I mean, it's right, true. I'm really just starting out. You know what I mean? And Can we also say matriculation? I don't get too many big words. I right? I was like, that's a good one. Matriculation. So when Laia said it, I wanted to repeat it. Too. <laughs> I saw. Sorry, go ahead, Blue. When I grew up in that joint, like, that's what I would have said. But you made it sound so eloquent. But no, as my career has grown, and the Roots Picnic has grown. It's sort of been organic for my growth to be a part of the Roots Picnic. I mean, it's really the stumping grounds to what I, I would say my education or my MBA course in festivals and live experiences, large live events. That's what led to me kind of running festivals all over the country. So yeah, I grew up with it, but I can't say it. It's Sean G's, it's mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Tariq Trotters, the late, great Rich Nichols. Mm-hmm, I think mm-hmm. in Philadelphia with Jeff Gordon. I have to give everyone who really put this thing together and made it the, the juggernaut that it is in the city. So why do you stay in Philadelphia? Ooh, mm. um, that's a great question. I think part of it, I have a seven-year-old son. Isn't that a huge part? And, you know, when you talk about Philly, there's something to the story. If I can get there, if I can do this, Justin, if I can hold on and five years from now, we're talking about Apex, which we'll get into. We're talking about everything else that's done. My son has the toaster going right now. If you hear a sound in the background. That's okay. Um, Rachel's son do the same thing. It's fine. He's family friendly. Love it. But when you're talking about really cement and legacy, if I can do this and pull this off the same way Kenny Gamble and Leon Huff, I mean, you're talking about Philly International. They stayed here and really cultivated what it meant to be in music in Philly and the different things that I'm into. I work with the school district of Philadelphia from an educational perspective and music business. Live Nation, even though the part that I'm a part of Live Nation Urban is global, I can stay here and still do what I need to do. And once COVID hit and you see that you're able to get all the work done you need via Zoom or via whatever outlet you need to get it done with, I'm traveling to LA probably once a month. I can still get what I need done, done. At worst, I'll probably be bi-coastal, but I need to have the coin to be bi-coastal and, and, and do it right. Um, but I can't leave this city. There's so much work to be done and I might run for mayor. You never know. We may need one of those. Well, you heard it here first. <laughs> Brandon Pinky running for mayor. Yo, Brandon, I always wanted to ask you too, for people who are like diversifying and doing so many things at one time, I mean, you're doing it at an executive level, mm-hmm. but how do you do this? What is the key to organization? Because as far as I know, you don't have an assistant. Hmm. How do I do this? I, it's really difficult sometimes. It's really about how do you juggle eight things at once all the time? I've gotten so accustomed to it. And there's one thing that people don't talk about when they're talking about their success a lot, mm-hmm. but I've noticed on conversations and podcasts, I have really neglected or haven't put the amount of time into personal relationships that I have in the work and business, which is unfortunate, right? Because everybody needs a little love too. So I, I've probably made decisions that have propelled me career-wise that have really set me back on the other end of that. You know what I mean? From Don't the, sound like you got time for frolicking either. Yeah, no, I, I, I frolic. Okay. You frolic. Okay. <laughs> My point is, I think that I've just really put a lot into it. I'm up all the time. You know, Rachel might hit me with an email early in the morning, professional, on time. And mm-hmm. I might hit her back at midnight, 1 a.m. And I don't judge you for it. She does. She just doesn't say it out loud, <laughs> let's be honest. Yeah, she, no, I, Justin, I believe you. He no. can't frolic because I'm stalking him. Hey, Jay, come on. <laughs> we got a deadline. Yesterday, she called me up and said, you're not one of my favorites anymore. 
That was just for the day, though, Justin. You'll be back. It was tomorrow. just for that minute. I got right back in her good graces. Around several enablers. What can so, I say? So Brandon, <laughs> explain this. So how do you have this educational relationship with the city of Philadelphia? You have your job at Live Nation. Yeah. Of course, then there are 50 other things because you hosting and doing all this other stuff. And then oh. you go, I'm going to create my own network. Tell me how that works and tell us about it. Apex, Artist Presented Experiences, has been in my mind since 2014. And the story behind this is I saw a Forbes article with Vince McMahon, WWE. And at the time, he had just started his WWE network, $9.99 a month, OTT, over-the-top streaming service. Like Netflix is an OTT, Hulu is an OTT. Frolicking with jargon. That's our (laughs) I'm the only non-corporate person on this call, so this is for everybody else. They know what you were talking about, but thank you. (laughs) But no, so I read that. In my mind, I'm like, if wrestling, of all things, can get people to pay $9.99 a month, why don't we have something like that for artists where they can outside of live streams, which we saw picked up tremendously over COVID. But if people have an idea for a romantic comedy or for a horror movie or for a dramatic series, artists should have an outlet to do that. If you look across different platforms, you may see 50 Cent with Power. He has multiple iterations of Power now. Mm-hmm. Cube had Friday, next Friday. You know, there are artists that are doing things. Lady Gaga, Stars Born. I just wanted to build a platform where all of that could live. And some of these newer artists can- Right, they're top tier, the ones you're talking about. Yeah. yeah, I mean, but yeah, I mean, we're gonna license some of those things, but I wanted to give newer artists the opportunity to develop. You know, if you have scripts that you wanna share, bring them on, we'll help to finance those and bring them here. I want this to be a Netflix for musicians. In five years, I would be disappointed if we don't have an Oscar nomination, Emmy nominations, if this isn't like premium content. This isn't just music interview shows. I want this to be like the way you would go and tune into HBO to watch Lovecraft Country. You would tune into Apex to watch fill in the blank drama series that we have. Like I want it to be- Or documentary or whatever. Yeah. Whatever. It's a place for creative outlets for art. So you said five years you want to see the Oscar. So where are you guys right now at Apex? We're in pre-production with a couple of shows. Radio, Issa Rae's record label, they have a show on the network. They're in pre-production now. Mark Lamont Hill has an interview series on the network. He's in pre-production now. We have a scripted comedy series from Billy Woodruff, who directed Empire, Star. He was a producer on Black Lightning and a couple of other things. 50,000 music videos. Yeah. Um, But he has a scripted comedy series, which I love, which is going to probably debut 2022. So I want us to really differentiate ourselves from other sort of startups. When you look at this, I'll tell you, we're rep by CAA right now, which is one of the largest agencies in the world. And I'm having incredible meetings with top tier production companies right now and studios that are like really excited about the platform. I'm beyond ecstatic. And so I think we're going to do some great things. And we've got some funders that will be announced sooner rather than later. And we're off to the races. That's why I'm so happy, Real Talk, that you did have time to come on the show because you do have so many things in the works and you have such a hectic schedule but you remain humble and gracious and so thank you for that all the time and you're funny thank you no but i mean we all have things that we're doing right i mean it, it does sound like i'm busy or whatever but i think we're all busy with what we have to do we all have our own individual paths our light to shine et cetera, et cetera. so kudos to y'all i mean i'm humbled to know y'all i'm happy to be here I love meeting these amazing people. Every story is inspiring. 
fun. And I love that this is a whole new generation and especially for Philadelphia that are innovators, creators. And I'm just happy that we get to meet these folks and some of them we know and have a rapport and relationship with for years. And they have graced us with their presence on the show. Truly motivated and inspired. I don't want to hear nobody say today what they can't do because Brandon, David, and Aaron just told you that's not true. You can do whatever you want to. So Preach. Sure. Yeah, we yes. would like you to go to Instagram and follow us at Love Grit Philly and also rate and review the podcast wherever you're listening to us because that helps more people find out about us, which our goal is more people to find out about the great people of Philadelphia and what a great place it is to visit. Bye. Bye.